वेलकम टू हॉप रेडियो एंड एनडीटीवी हॉप लाइफ प्रोडक्शन वेलकम टू कॉम्बैटिंग कोरोना वायरस द पॉडकास्ट वेयर वी टॉक अबाउट द ग्लोबल स्ट्रगल अगेंस्ट कोविड-19 आई एम दीपिक मागी एंड आई एम प्रियंका पंत Today we're looking at women heads of state who are leading the charge against the pandemic. Dipit, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but something that I saw on popping up all over my social media yeah. timelines yeah. was this tiled photo of like six or seven women, you know, and a lot of the times it would be leaders from Taiwan, Germany. Yeah. There was almost all the Nordic countries on there. Yeah. New Zealand, of course. You know, with the title being these are the women in charge of sort of the countries that are dealing the best with The one I saw was these are the leaders of the countries that are doing best against COVID nineteen. I wonder what they all have in common. Yeah, 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 and it would be the picture of all the women. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting, right? The implication being that because they're women, they're better leaders or they're mm. better, you know, equipped to deal with this pandemic. Yeah. That's a premise. I'm not sure that I agree with necessarily, but it's interesting to look at, right? Because definitely, yeah, if definitely. you look at these countries, there seems to be a lot that they're doing right. Yeah. and whether or not it's because they're being led by women that i think is a separate discussion yeah. but definitely taiwan's number one on top of that list i think in terms of yeah. how they're doing things well i think we can definitely talk about the difference that is very visible in terms of women leading a nation versus a man doing the same but we'll get to that so like you were talking about taiwan right can you tell us why taiwan is considered to be one of the best countries handling this pandemic sure so i think you know, geographically just for anyone who doesn't know it's an island nation off the coast of mainland china which has seen only 6 deaths which right. is pretty incredible if you look at this it like just the proximity to china it's got you know there's people coming in and out of there china considers taiwan its own province and in fact taiwan's not officially part of the world health organization yeah. despite that there. yeah it's a very difficult situation but one of the things that they did was they acted fast and they acted really early i'm talking january early in yeah. january they stopped a lot of travel and flights in from china from hong kong they were encouraging people to wear face masks. Taiwan was one of the countries hit worst by the SARS outbreak right. and their current vice president is actually an epidemiologist who worked on this during the SARS outbreak. Right. So clearly, you know, Lessons they had some it. experience dealing with a coronavirus epidemic mm-hmm. and they did a bunch of really great things they introduced daily briefings by medical professionals they had a whole host of measures that included ramping up the local manufacture of personal protective equipment so that includes face masks that includes gloves mm. uh, and other things that help keep healthcare professionals safe and in fact now what they're doing is because the situation is under control to such a degree in Taiwan they're actually donating up to 16 million masks to wow. other affected countries which include european countries they include Japan so they've yeah. done some really great things yeah Reuters reported that Taiwan actually incentivized staying at home initially right. so if you stayed at home you would get stipends you would get goodie bags right. uh, which included things like face masks they included noodles right. they even included free packages for online gaming and movie services wow. to make sure that people stay at home <laughs> and you know and don't go out and don't further you know spread the virus or catch the virus yeah. so i mean some really interesting ideas in play there yep So another country that people often talk about as handling it well is Germany. Now of course it's a different case in Taiwan. Germany has over a lakh cases and over 3800 deaths as of recording this. But 
the thing to note about Germany is that it has an exceptionally low mortality rate. Like the mortality rate is just 1.6% compared to 12% in Italy and, and around 10% in Spain, France and the UK. All comparable countries which are close by and have comparable levels of economic development, healthcare systems and whatnot. So there can be two main reasons for a low mortality rate, right? One is that you have widespread testing. So the more people you test, the lower your mortality rate will be because mortality rate is always calculated against the known number of cases. And as everyone has been saying about COVID-19, there are still cases out there that are undetected because some people are just asymptomatic. Some people do not exhibit very extreme symptoms. So Germany has been testing a lot. And you can see that in its mortality rate, a low mortality rate is also indicative of a healthcare system that has not been overwrought with cases. So when you do flatten the curve, as is the popular term these days, and you do not overload your healthcare system, everyone can get the care they need and you have fewer mortalities. When you do overload the healthcare system, of course, you have mortalities both related and unrelated to COVID-19 because people just cannot get the healthcare they need. So... I just watched a video of Angela Merkel, the German chancellor, who is, of course, a scientist herself, although not in medical sciences, although I suppose the temperament at least transfers. And she was explaining this concept in a press conference and she put it across very clearly and easy to understand. But she also spoke about it in a scientific manner, right? She did not talk down to her people. So she was explaining that if the rate of transfer is 1, then, uh, you know, we have until October until our healthcare systems are fine. If it goes up to 1.2, it's July. If it goes up to 1.3, it's even sooner. So I think there's a lot to be said for her leadership style, which has been information-based and not talking down to people or hiding information from people and all of that. Yeah, I think similar to that, you know, out of the Scandinavian countries, Denmark, Finland, Norway, and even Iceland, they've had sort of similar approaches in that, you know, the prime ministers have come forward, they've held press conferences. In Norway, the prime minister actually had a special press conference only for children. No adults were allowed. Yeah. And, you know, it was the kinds of questions that children had about coronavirus was fascinating. And, you know, she was very open, very direct. She said, it's okay to be scared. Mm -hmm. There's definitely something to be said about that kind of leadership, you know, where you're talking in terms that are, you know, clear and easy to understand, you know, you're not caught up in sort of jargon. Mm. And you're you're reassuring, I suppose, to people to some level, and you're transparent about the things that you're talking about. Yeah. And of course, we've done an entire episode on New Zealand, so we won't spend too much time on this. But as we mentioned, even in that episode, Jacinda Ardern, the New Zealand Prime Minister, she did a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live from her house where she was just sitting in sweats on her bed and she was just talking about issues. And her social media presence in general is very layman, right? She talks about very relatable things like, oh, who's going to pack your lunch when you're going for work, which you don't generally see from world leaders, which brings me to this interesting topic. So there's been this interesting trend over the last few years, or I guess always, the certain way in which male leadership is viewed and what qualities a good male leader should have, which you can see if you look at Trump, obviously, where he's brash, he is ignorant sometimes, but people like that. People are like, you know, he says it like it is and stuff like that. And then you have people like Boris Johnson, right, who was diagnosed with COVID-19 and he recorded this message from his house, but he was still dressed up in a full suit. And in another one, he was uh, wearing a silk shirt. This is not something you would see like Jacinda Ardern sitting in sweats 
doing a Facebook Live is not something you would see any of these leaders do, right? You'll never see Trump in his bathrobe from the White House talking, which I guess could be a good thing. Mm. But there's a certain style of bravado that male leaders exhibit, which women leaders just don't. And I think it makes them more relatable and more empathetic leaders. It's interesting, you know, the CNN reports that women only make up 7% of world leaders. And yet what we're seeing, you know, with the examples that we just talked about was that there's clearly a disproportionately large number of leaders who acted early, who acted decisively, Mm. and they happened to be women, Mm. right? I think in almost all of the cases that we discussed, one thing that they did was widespread testing. Right. You know, unless you're testing people, how do you know whether or not they have the the virus? And only then can you really go about containing it. So for instance, in Iceland, something that they did that was really interesting was they had large-scale randomized testing, and they found that half of all the people who tested positive for Mm COVID-19 were asymptomatic, which clearly helped them to enforce things like social distancing. A lot of these countries didn't go into aggressive and restrictive lockdowns because they had things like testing in place and they had contact tracing. I think the point that I'm trying to make is that being a woman isn't necessarily what makes you a better leader. But The Guardian had a really interesting take where they said that women generally have to be better in order to become leaders and more often than not women are held to higher standards than men so they're not allowed to learn on the job they're not allowed to in the guardian's words fail up so i guess the learning here is that because women generally cannot fail upwards the women who do tend to break the glass ceiling and find themselves in leadership positions tend to be very qualified for their jobs, something you will not necessarily find in all men. So the good news on this episode is a fantastic story coming out of Kolkata. The Telegraph reported that an 82-year-old former teacher flagged down cops by waving frantically from the window. He retired in 1998, lives on a pension, most of which he spends, you know, on buying medicines. Right. And cops were really concerned looking at this, you know, sort of elderly gentleman. Was he in distress? Was something wrong? They rushed upstairs. And then they found that he just wanted to donate money to help the battle against COVID-19. And the cops were really taken aback. And they called higher-ups to ask what to do. And the higher-ups suggested he can donate to the relief fund. And he wrote a check of 10,000 rupees for the chief minister's relief fund. Just such a lovely, positive story coming out of this pandemic. So heartwarming. Well, that's been this episode of Combating Coronavirus. This is Priyanka Pant and David Maggie signing off.